Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of UCOM Connect. Uh, this is Mike Lilly here again, joined by Neil Height. Hey, everybody. Uh, we'll get started today uh, by asking Neil to give us a bit of a an update in a forecast in terms of uh, who preached this past Sunday, where they were, and uh, where we're going this coming Sunday. So, Neil. All right. So, on December the 10th, uh, honestly, it's a little bit lighter than usual. We sent uh, H.C. Allen to Free State both morning and afternoon. Brother Kenneth Anderson preached at Richmond Chapel both morning and afternoon. And I preached that morning at Beach Grove, and then that night I went to Gainesboro. This coming Sunday, the third Sunday, which is probably the lightest Sunday we have on any month, and this one is super light. We only have two congregations that need a speaker, and that's Free State, Michael McCormick. will be going there, and then Beach Grove is going to have Brother Dale Anderson there. Awesome. Uh, Dale has just joined us. This will be the first time, I believe, that, that he's actually preached. And we added a, a new guy, uh, Dr. Gabe Collins, preached at Beach Grove the third of this month. So awesome. we've got a couple of new, new names. I also talked to uh, Titus Anderson, which is Dale's cousin, and he told me he'd be willing to help us on Sunday nights. So he felt like he needed to be at his congregation right. on Sunday mornings. But sure. uh, Sunday nights he'd be willing to help us. So I'm going to try to fit him in in January, maybe a place or two. Yeah, I believe the that Titus and Dale and them are connected in Jackson County too. And they are. I know Lexi's familiar with, uh, with Titus and their family. So that's awesome. Um, and then uh, you said Gabe Collins. Was that? Yeah. He, he was, was he the gentleman that came to our. He came to our thing. Two weeks ago. Every, every other Thursday we, those of us who are available get together uh, here at Double Springs um, and just have a little bit of time of of fellowship as, as preachers together, but of course to uh, pass ideas back and forth and train up some of these younger guys and encourage them uh, to share some of their thoughts on lessons and things like that so that we can help them out, give them some pointers and point them, help point them in the right direction, hopefully. You know, the cool thing about that, Michael, is uh, I just invited AC. He had just started preaching, as mm-hmm. you know. I said, would, would you be willing just to preach to us? We'll go here in auditorium. You stand in the pulpit, get the feel of it. And uh, he, he delivered his lesson, did an amazing job. And we sat down and we talked about it afterward. And he said, man, this is great. So he had just finished a new sermon, oh, I guess a couple of weeks ago. Oh, oh, no, it was last month, last month in November. He said, can I preach this one too and let y'all... So it, it's, it is great. And then we had Landon, you know, a young man yep. inspiring to preach some. He said, I've got these ideas. And he brought us an outline. He said, now what do you think about this and this and this? So it's really, really good for folks to get a chance. If you want to get up and preach in a pulpit and not have a bunch of folks out there and then have somebody say, hey, I didn't understand this. So you can have it clarified when you go and you're kind of kind of on your own. Not yep. on your own, but... We can't always send somebody with you. So. Yeah, and it's it's also nice to uh, to have a, a group of people that that you trust to give you honest feedback uh, before preaching the lesson for the first time in the pulpit. Now, that being said, you should never preach a lesson for the first time in the pulpit. You should be doing that, working on that throughout the week. Right. But uh, you know, having that having a place where you can get some good 
positive feedback, constructive criticism, uh, not ever in a negative way, but, um, you know, always trying to help one another because you don't always get the, uh, the, the honest feedback from people. You know, we, we can preach some absolute duds and we'll still have people tell us that was a great lesson that, that you did today. The, the brethren are good about doing their best to encourage. Yes. Sometimes not so good at um, being uh, brutally honest about, hey, I didn't understand this, or that didn't come across just right, or, or, or whatever. And, uh, of course, we always appreciate the encouragement. But I also will know, I, I'm human. You are too. Yeah. And I may say... First Timothy chapter four means Second Timothy chapter four, and misquote a scripture. I don't ever want to do that. Yeah. And I need to be told, hey, that scripture you said was there. It's not there. Yep. That has happened to me several times before, uh, which is why, from now on, I make sure that I've got every all the scriptures that I need. They're all written down. I don't have to flip around my Bible, and that's some people probably think that's cheating, but. Uh, it keeps keeps me straight and helps everybody else stay on track too. Right. Um, well, but you think about in New Testament preaching. Of course, when they were te- preaching to Gentiles, they couldn't refer to the old mm-hmm. scriptures because the Gentiles would not have been familiar. But when they did refer to the old scriptures, sometimes they just simply says it is written, and sometimes they would say the prophet Isaiah said, or Jeremiah said, or the psalmist said. But they didn't give book, chapter, and verse. I wonder why that is, Michael. I don't know. <laughs> they can have anything to do with the fact that book, chapter, and verse didn't exist until the Bible was put in English print. Hey, something else that I thought of. Somebody asked me a question about this. Uh, the, not this past Wednesday, but two Wednesdays ago. Um, I don't remember how exactly it came up, but you're talking about how the writers of the New Testament will sometimes refer to or quote Old Testament scripture. Uh, I had a guy come up to me after class and he said, what do you think about the book of Enoch? And I said, well, that's that's a good question. I said, maybe we can talk about it in depth sometime. But, um, you know, from what I understand of it, and what I've read of it myself, we just don't include it because it uh, doesn't always align with the, the spirit of scripture and, and other parts of God's word and what God has said. and uh, But it, it is interesting, though, because uh, in the New Testament, one of the writers does mention writings from Enoch. Uh, so at some point, there may have been something there, but who's to say? Uh, another topic for another time, probably. Um, I do want to kind of get back to the question that you kind of posed in your prayer last week as we closed out about how can, how can people help and really how, how can, how can we help? How can other people help this, this ministry work that UCOM is doing? Uh, and how can people help, uh, struggling and hurting congregations? Um, you know, scripturally you look at, at, uh, in Titus, You've got a young preacher here. And Paul is telling him, and we won't get into the specifics, but if you remember, he tells the older man, you instruct the younger men. And then he says, likewise, you older women instruct the younger women. Michael will ask you a question, he'll ask those who are listening a question. 
where you worship, if you do go worship, or if you have visited, do you see the Titus II type of atmosphere where you know that older women have taken some of these younger women under the wings to teach them how to love their husbands, how to maintain their household, how to be an example to those that are younger to them, and so forth. And again, I'm not going to go into quoting the scripture in, in Titus, but the bottom line is when you really look at that is the old women who've gone through these things and gone ahead and made the mistakes, they can, hey, let me tell you, I tried that, and if they're like me, it didn't work out. So I can tell you what doesn't work better than I can tell you what does work. And you look there, and an older man is supposed to be instructing the younger men, and yep. that's the way a congregation grows. Because let's just think about it. You've got, we're blessed enough to have folks in their 90s. There's a lot of people, a lot of people younger than them. We have a very large population in their mid to late 50s, early 60s. There's a lot of people younger than them. Yeah. We're blessed to have several in their 30s and 40s. How about all these young couples that are about ready to get married, and these have been married 5 and 10, maybe 15 years, could sit with those couples. I mean, I think it's more than just men teach the, the younger men and the women teach the I think the idea is you need to be teaching one another to understand and be an example. You know, I've read some research from Barna that says one of the main things that this younger generation is looking for is a connection with the gray-haired people mm -hmm. in the congregation. To know that they've got somebody other than mom, dad, uncle, grandpa, whoever, someone who's outside of their quote-unquote blood family that takes an interest in them. Yep. That's what they're looking for. If we want a church to grow, there's got to be intergenerational relationships, quality relationships. And as, as part of that millennial generation, um, I won't speak for every millennial Christian, uh, but I will say that our generation and the generations coming up behind us more and more, we, we do want those connections with, with older Christians but I think a lot of times one of the gaps, one of the chasms uh, that exists is the idea of what is, what is truly scriptural and what are the things that we've just always done. And what's our tradition? Uh, it, it will pain people to hear this, but what is the Church of Christ doctrine on certain things? Uh, People will stand up and vehemently defend the five steps of salvation that are never laid out that way in Scripture. They will die on uh, certain hills that there's just no sense dying on. Uh, and, and it creates this gap where the older generation has the, uh, they have the authority. I mean, they, they have been Christians longer than we have. And we, we are to learn from them. Uh, older generations are elders. They're deacons. Um, and and we, we look up to them in that way. But at the same time, when we question why we do things a certain way or why we feel so strongly about certain things and then we don't get a really scriptural answer or we get a scriptural answer that is 
a piece of scripture that's taken completely out of context and used to proof text what you think, uh, it, it creates those, those chasms uh, between generations. And I think being in education, um, just give you a little background, I was in education for 27 years in, in Kentucky before I moved here. We have seen the, the way that we teach evolve over time. And the way I learned, I, I, I was the type that I could listen to you talk, I could write some notes down, and I'd be good with it. But research shows over and over and over and over that this, the newer kids, the newer generations are coming, they don't learn that way. Right. So when you talk about the quote unquote five steps of salvation, that was a tool that was used to simplify and make it understandable to folks. Yep. It was never meant to to take the place of the entire plan. Jesus come to their yeah, perfect yep. life. It was never but it was simply a teaching tool to understand you first gotta hear it. And then obviously it, that should lead right. to belief. And, and, and the belief should lead to all the rest. Yeah. To doing what you need to be doing. Exactly. And and I'm not before anybody starts calling me or calling the elders or anything else I believe in the spirit of the five steps of salvation. Absolutely. I understand what the Bible says about entering to the kingdom of God and how you go about doing that. But what I think we focus on so many times is the steps themselves and checking the box rather than truly making disciples out of new Christians, out of young young folks and teaching them what the Bible really says rather than here's what you need to do and just do it because I told you to. Right. So. Well, it's, we know that riding a bike, you're taught, okay, you, you've got to shift your weight, you got to da 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 keep your handlebar straight, don't turn them too quick. And then after a while, you get past thinking about all these steps that the guy's doing and then I learned how to, to corner, and I learned how, let's just be honest, most of us did it. We learned to, to ride on one wheel. And yeah. Then, you know, jump the ramp and, and things like that. But we got past what we would call the basics of riding that bike. You get past the milk of the word, and, and you start understanding one of the things that Jesus continually talked to the Pharisees about was they might understand the letter of the law, but they never understood the intent, the purpose. It's right, and, and, and I think that's what we we fall into a lot of times is we expect people to come in and to, to be baptized and become Christians and then come sit in the pew every Sunday and Wednesday. But we don't actually teach them. We don't actually spend time with them and bring them along. We have, we reduce discipleship and we reduce Christianity, our entire faith into basically three to four hours a week and that is that is simply a perversion of the intention of of the church the body of christ and and we that's something that's really the point i'm getting at here is is if we're ever going to see the church grow we have to move past the the check boxes we have to move past the the, the legalism, we have to move past all of these things that we bind and we tell people, well, 
The only way to be a good Christian is to come to church on Sunday and make sure you're doing everything that we do at church on Sunday. Well, there's there's a little bit more to it than that. And and I've I don't feel good saying this, but the the reality is a lot of times in church when it comes to to Christianity, we we bring people in, but we don't bring them along. And we expect them to try to keep up. That's not fair. It is not. It is not. And you know, I don't know if anyone listening is is familiar with farming, but I grew up on a farm, and you know I, I don't hook the same equipment behind different sized tractors. There's 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 equipment that it can handle, and it's designed to handle, and that's what you do. Young Christians are not necessarily ready to handle some of the, the, the depth that is required to understand some of these other things. We've got to bring them along. And, and that's why, you know, many times we think, you use the term babes in Christ. Think about developmentally appropriate, physically for a baby, and then transfer that over into a spiritual baby. There are things that are developmentally appropriate. You do yep. not teach calculus to a second grader. It just doesn't work. Exactly. I, I, you know, I, I have a uh, three-month-old now. He's three months old now. That's crazy. And uh, he. Uh, Your math, it, it's, right? Yeah. Unfortunately, it is. Uh, but he, it, it would be like bringing him into the world and then setting him in the crib and telling him, "Okay, the milk's in the fridge. Uh, your clothes are over there in the drawer." Uh, if you need a diaper, you can get it out of the top of the closet. Uh, but we'll see you at dinner time. You're on your own. Yeah, figure it out. When when we get when we get ready to go eat, you you gotta come. You you come with us. And if you I'm not gonna come get. I'm not yeah, gonna come I'm look for you, you. But you we we you better be there. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, you you just don't you don't do that with a with a newborn babe. Uh, well. Uh, I, I was, we, we've kind of gone down a couple rabbit holes, uh, and I think any one of those topics would be enough to cover a lot of a lot of time. We'll put yes. it that way. But in terms of specifically helping with the ministry and with the local congregations, um, what can people do to Support UCOM, support these churches, support the guys going to preach. Uh, what are some What are some tangible ways that people could do that? Well, you mentioned this one last time, and this is the biggest one. Be in prayer for us. But not just those of us who are going out and preaching. We ask that you pray that, that what we're doing is a benefit to the Lord's body in that particular lo- location, and that it will be what, what they need to, to grow in spirit and in truth and, and to be able to be the influence in the community that they're, they're supposed to be. The second one is, folks, encourage your young people to take leadership roles in the church. We still are in dire need of song leaders, of preachers, of teachers, and I'm gonna keep on going. We're in dire need of deacons. We're in dire need of qualified elders. And those, I, I don't want to make it a checklist, but those yeah. are stepping stones. You, you, you teach, and then, well, maybe I'd be willing to, to, to preach on occasion. Or, you 
to take over a particular activity or mission or whatever it is as a deacon or someone who works together with that, you know, I'm ready to step up and I'm ready to take on responsibility with the elders, make sure that the congregation is being cared for and overseen the way it's supposed to, not lorded over them, but there's a reason God designed the leadership of the church the way he designed it. And it takes some folks, well, I'll just use a biblical term, that are not novice. You have got to grow. And once you grow, you realize, you know what, maybe I need to be doing this or maybe I'm qualified to doing that. And that's a hard thing to, how do I want to word this, awaken your mind to and your spirit to. Not necessarily go out here and say, well, Neil said that I need to be a leader, so I need to go and find something to do. That's not necessarily the spirit of it. What, 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 what we're really talking about is having the spirit and the willingness and the mindset to serve in whatever way is presented to you to serve. Whether that is to lead some songs, to fill in and teach a class or preach, whether that's uh, to, to go teach a kid's class. God forbid a man teach a room full of toddlers. But we have it here. We have it here. But, I mean, in a lot of places it's not like that. I know. Uh, that's a woman's job. Another topic. Another time. Uh, but, you know, it, it's, it's just the open yourself up and let the Lord work through you. Don't fight him. If something is presented to you, chances are you're, you're ready for it. God's not going to put you through anything that he's not ready to carry you through. And that may not be painless. Oh, no. You're going to struggle. He's going to, is it, uh, it's one of the Psalms says that he will lead you across the hot fires. He will bring you across the deep oceans. You will, it will not be fun all the time. You will be scared. A lot of the time. But it says that God will bring you through these things. Trust in God. Put your faith in Him. And and work for His glory. And that, that's hard to do because there's, there's an unwritten culture in the church. I'm just going to get on a piece of it and then I want to move to the main. There's an unwritten culture in the church. I hope I don't make anybody mad, but I want you to think about this. That that is the preacher, teacher, elder, deacon. That's, that's their job. It's their job. That's what they get paid that's for. That's what they get paid to do. And well, let's just be honest. Most deacons and elders don't get paid. Yeah. Neither do song leaders. Yeah. Sure Neither don't. do the teachers. <laughs> okay? But I think there's a, there's a maybe an unwritten culture in the in the church that if we're not careful we are extinguishing the desire and the spirit of some of the younger folks to do things mm-hmm. um, I remember where I came from back in Kentucky there was a, a gentleman by the name of Rodney Cheatham he's, uh, he's passed on now but Rodney would call would talk to the, the, the teens and then he'd call the parents, hey, do you mind if I pick up such and such from school today? 
there's somebody that needs visiting or we're going to go rake the leaves at such and such. And he'd just take them there and they'd sit down and have a glass of tea or lemonade with mm -hmm. that person. And he was teaching them how to talk to the older generation. He was teaching them how to look for ways to serve. And uh, he made a deep impression on my son to this day because he was willing to take some time and do that. And I spoke to someone here not too long ago. You know, they don't, these people don't go and visit our visitors. Maybe they're embarrassed to. Maybe they're not good at meeting new people. Why don't you take them under your wing and say, hey, go with me. I want to go meet them. Go with me. Yep. We have got to learn that not, we really do. I, we, we think once we have them baptized and the Lord adds them to the church, that they are at the same spiritual level that we are, or, or brother or sister so-and-so. Yeah, I mean, why can't they figure this out? Why can't they figure, and it's just like the analogy you did with, with I still can't believe it's three months old, but. Yeah. There's an unwritten culture that, that and I'm gonna finish it, and this one's gonna hurt. Parents, when's the last time you encouraged your child to desire to do something like that for the Lord's body. When's the last time you told me, you know what, you're going to make a great song leader one day. When's the last time you told me, you know what, you could make a great preacher. I'd love to see you be a preacher. Or, you know, the Lord's body needs leadership. I hope that you one day plan on becoming an, an elder if you meet the qualifications. When's the last time any of us did that for our children? And you can't start too young. How can I help? Start. Number one, do what you can. Don't, like Michael said, don't just go up, let me find something to do. No. Yeah. Change the spirit to what can I do? You know, the Hebrew writer uh, in Hebrews chapter 10 talks about stirring one another up. Old King James says to spur one another on, like the mm -hmm. spurs yeah. into a horse. Wouldn't it be amazing if there were certain people you got around you just couldn't help to be excited about doing some work and going with them to work and getting things done? Yep. That's what that, that verse means, that, that we should be so excited that we just can't help ourselves but be involved in the work. That's what we need. That And that attitude and, and, and that mentality is contagious. It is. Yes, it is. And... To, uh, to kind of build on that too and kind of going back to what I was saying before it, it's more than just being a busybody and just keeping yourself busy finding things to do it's also not dictating to God what you're going to do I don't want to do that I don't want to do I, I want to do this God and, and I again I go back to that sermon I preached a, a few weeks ago now a living sacrifice means putting yourself on the altar and from that point on, you belong to God. God uses you how he chooses to use you. The bull does not get to decide what God does with it after that point. No. I'm, if folks uh, if will allow me a, a little time here, I'm going to share something personally. 
For our listeners, I'm 55 years old. Um, I have not attended preaching school. I've been, uh, I was raised in the church. Uh, I guess I was about 14 when I obeyed the gospel. And the entire time growing up, I love I love to sing. You know, mm -hmm. I thought I'm going to be a songwriter. I'm going to be a songwriter. And I had, and I got an opportunity to, to lead singing it in several different places. I've even had a chance to lead singing overseas. And um, finally, somebody says, "Would you preach a lesson?" And I did. And I remember that very Sunday, multiple folks taking me aside and said, why aren't you a preacher? Why aren't you preaching? Oh, no, 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 no. That's no, 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 no. And I fought that for years. And I'm going to tell you how long I fought that. I was probably about 17, 18 years old when I delivered my first sermon. Mm -hmm. And it's only been in the last 10 that I've really been preaching on a full-time, semi-full-time basis. I fought, no, no, that's not really what God wants. And it, I continue to have folks, and my wife finally says, I don't know what you're doing, but you better figure it out because yeah. you can't quit, keep fighting. You gotta be, and that's, that's, that's really what it's about. You gotta be, have your heart in tune with God and be ready to do what he calls you and asks you to but do. But that's not what I wanted to do, Michael. I, exactly. That, that's not what now, I believed I was supposed to do. I will, uh, <laughs> I will meet your story with a story of my own about when I became a Christian. And after, after just a few months of hearing some preaching, uh, I would sit in the pew every Sunday on the ride home. And I would say, you know what? I could do better than that guy did. I, I've, I've, I need to preach. I need to get up and teach. I can do better than that guy. Uh, I have better ideas. I, I'm a, I'm a, I can be a better speaker than that guy. And for a long time, that's what I did. I tried to prove to God that I was a great preacher. Mm. He was lucky to have you. He was lucky to have me. <laughs> and uh, that is not the correct attitude either. Amen. Now, granted, in a way, I had a positive attitude of when someone asked me to do something, when I was asked to lead singing, to pray, to to preach, to teach a class, willing, gung-ho, ready to go. But it was for the wrong reason. I had the wrong intention. I wanted to prove to God and prove really, it was really to prove to people. I was trying to please people and show them what a great Christian I was. And once I sacrificed that mindset and sacrificed myself so that God could have the glory, my preaching and everything that I do for, for the Lord completely changed. And it is so much better now than, than it was looking back at those old lessons. I, I deleted half of them because they were just the awfulest things. So you know, I there's a balance to find. I truly believe you can be busy 
with good things, even scriptural things, but not really be doing the Lord's work? You the the way I word it is that you you cloak your human intention with religious garments. Boy, that sounds familiar. Almost like it comes straight out of scripture. Yeah, yeah. I think you, you you look one way on the outside, but you're totally different on the exactly. inside. So anyway, uh, so we talked about how you help. I want to hit on something there. You were ready to do when somebody asked you. When do we get to the point in our Christianity where we see a need and we step up and say, hey, I can help there? Yeah. That's, that's what we're talking about. Having that attitude. There's, I may not be able to lead this charge, whatever it is, but I can back you up. Yep. Or, you know what? Maybe I am good at that. Maybe I can do that. Would you help me on if we keep, and I've been in congregations, and I've never heard someone say, well, I'd have done it, but nobody asked me. Why, why, sh- why should you have to be asked? And there's, there's, so, there's, there's a such thing as well as doing too much. I'm not doing any of it. There, well. there, was, there was a time where I was doing the bulletin, doing the article in the bulletin every week, uh, picking all the songs, Doing all the overhead here, which that takes time and some effort, and it's really easy to mess up. Uh, On top of that, teaching on Wednesday nights and preaching and teaching on Sundays. Three lessons on Sunday and a fourth lesson on Wednesday night. I was a full-time preacher at different congregations on top of doing all these other things, on top of having... A secular job yeah. to pay my bills and support my family, and I, I was I was doing too much, and like you said, I wasn't doing anything well. Luckily, I had some people in my corner that recognized that and said, "Hey, can we help you? Can we take over the bulletin? Can we pick the songs and work on the overhead so that you can focus on at least so you can focus on your lessons." I said, yeah, absolutely. That'd be great. Thank you. Uh, yeah, we are kind of running a little long. We don't yeah. want to belabor any points or spend too much time. Uh, what is your what is your prayer for today? How about we use the one that Jesus said? We looked around and saw the crowd, and they were sheep like sheep without shepherd. And he told his followers, pray the Lord of harvest will send forth laborers. That's my prayer. That each of us understand that in that context, he wasn't telling them to ask for replacements. He was was telling them, you ask for reinforcements. And that's what the church needs. The ones that are working, please don't ever stop. Pray that other folks will come in and help and learn and be able to maybe one day take it even further than, than we have. You know, some, some folks have great ideas and they're stifled because they don't want to overstep. If it's a great idea and it spreads the Lord's name and it spreads the borders of that kingdom and it deepens people's understanding of what Christ is and what he stands for and what it means to truly serve him and what the eternal benefits are 
then we can't be stifling that. The word hasn't changed in over 2,000 years, but the way we get it out there has because we have many more tools at our disposal now than Paul and Peter and John did. Yep. And we need to use those things in a way that they are beneficial for his kingdom. Send for laborers. Encourage folks. And if you've got folks, if you've got a young man in your congregation right now that you know would make a good preacher, teacher, whatever, encourage him. And get your friends around you say, hey, we need to start working with such and such because, I mean, you've heard them do the short devotional. They're doing really good. Let's see if we can't convince them to preach a sermon. Who knows? Maybe they'll go on to be the next whoever. Marshall Keeble. Uh, Barrett Baxter. Uh, <laughs> Triple B. I can't think. I can't say his name right. I can't think of his first name. Baxter. Brother Baxter. I mean, who? And many more. You know, Paul and Peter, they didn't have the same style. But they got the word out there. Yep. My prayer for today is for, for people to pray for the church and pray, pray for our youth. Pray for, pray for Gen Z. Pray for, pray for these young kids that are, that are coming along, coming of age, and, and really are the future of, of not just the church. These people are the future of the world. They are. Gen Z is leaving Christianity at a rate of almost a million people per year. Hmm. We are not just in a crisis for preachers. We're not just in a crisis for laborers. We are in a crisis for souls in the church. We have to do more to teach these young people the truth of God, the truth of His Son, His Spirit, and His Word. We have, we have to really analyze why are these young people leaving the faith? Why do they feel like everything that they know about God and about Jesus is not true? And that they would rather leave it all behind and follow the world than inherit the mess that we've made of Christianity. Think about that. Pray on that. It's not just a problem for them. It's a problem for us as well. I'll, uh, I led prayer last time. Why don't you close the out? Yes. Our eternal, glorious Father in heaven, all glory be to your name. We thank you for this day. Father, we thank you for the clothes on our backs, the roof over our heads, for everything that you provide for us, for the very air that we breathe, Father. We thank you. All of these blessings come from you. And we know that and we recognize your glory and your majesty. Father, we 
have so many things on our hearts and on our minds, Father. Father, we ask you to be with your church, be with your people, raise up laborers to go into your harvest. Father, bring reinforcements to the field, wherever they may be, that they may work in some special way in somebody's life and and that more souls could be added to your kingdom. Father, we we pray that we, we will not be the ones to stifle your word, to stifle the work that's being done in your name in this world, but that we will encourage, we will uplift, and we'll strengthen one another as the days go on. Father, we pray for our young people especially. Father, we pray that through us that they can see you, that we can look at the things that we do, the things that we say, the example that we set, and that when they see us, that they see your son through us. Father, we pray for them that they can see your truth and stay true to your gospel, to the good news of Christ who came and lived on this world was Emmanuel, God among us, and who died for us, who died for the sins of the world as a sacrifice so that we wouldn't have to face the death that that we deserve. Father, we pray that we can proclaim that message every day that we live through the words we say and the things that we do. Father, we pray that when Jesus returns, when our time here is done, that we can hear him say those good and faithful words, well done, my good and faithful servant. It's in Jesus' name that we pray today. Amen. Amen.